Hey, and welcome back to Education Honestly. All right, so this week's topic is a bit of a fine line. It's uh, one I'm not always great at uh, figuring out myself. It's when you are just making excuses for your kids. Sometimes you are. Sometimes there is zero excuse for their behavior and this could be coming from a parent, this could be coming from a teacher, there's just, it, it's an excuse. Sometimes they just do stuff that's terrible, naughty, not a good choice, and it sucks. But then there's that line where there's some reasons behind what's happening, and there does need to be further explanation or background information. And that's, you know, that's critical. Um, your child could be an absolute monster at school, at home, at daycare, at anywhere because you've had a loss in the family or because you now know that they've been acting out in class because they actually have a learning disability and it's way harder than you realize and they need some extra support. Those are actually not excuses. That's advocating. That's supporting your child as a teacher supporting your students, as a parent supporting your child, as whatever caring capacity you're coming at, that's supporting them. Excuses are when it doesn't matter what your kid does, you they're never at fault, they have zero independence, and you do absolutely everything for them. That's an excuse. And coming back from the pandemic, although we have quite a bit of time under our belts, and since I do teach kindergarten, there are kids with zero, like, I mean, zero independence. They can't put on their own shoes. They, and I'm not asking you to tie them. I'm just saying, put them on yourself. Putting on a jacket. Yeah, okay, I get the putting it on the correct arm first. That's, it's not easy. Um, there are still adults who can't seem to put on their own jackets properly. But your job as a parent um, is to get your kids ready for the world. And our job as teachers is to help them as well and sometimes say, hey, your kid's not ready for this. They need to work on this at home. There are things that we need to do to support each other. For example, in my world right now, there's snow. There's jackets, there's snow pants, there's mitts, there's hats, and there's loads of support and loads of encouragement and asking buddies to help each other out and trying to help build those skills and make it really cool. You want to be part of the zipper club. You want to, you know, make sure that you've got all the things that you need. But when a parent comes into the room and blows by you every morning and every after school because their kid is incapable of doing any of these things, that's enabling. That's making excuses. That's making life more difficult. And I know having kids home during COVID-19 created a lot more of this behavior because it was just easier to open every container or shove a jacket on so they can go play in the backyard so you get back to your meeting. It was just everything was so much easier if you just enabled them in order to make life functional and to be able to survive. But it's time to stop. This is, I think, going to take us a while to get away from. But there are so many kids who can't self-advocate, who can't take care of themselves in any way, shape, or form. And it continues on and on and on. So here's the plan. Your child, regardless of what grade, when they go to school, they have to be able to dress themselves reasonably. 
they need to be able to use their fine motor skills that is age acceptable and appropriate. Uh, zipping up jacket by the time they're in grade four, that needs to be done, if not many, many moons before that. They need to be able to tie their shoes at some point, and I am 100% guilty for letting my kids be lazy as can be in learning how to tie their shoes, but now we're figuring it out of necessity. And quite honestly, it, all of us are paying for that. So enough laziness with things like that. The lack of independent skills also carries on well past the school component. Um, do you want your kid going for a sleepover if they can't figure out how to appropriately use the washroom? or advocate for themselves when they're hungry, or, you know, just be able to know that they are going to mind themselves enough at somebody else's home and place without you being there. That's your job as a parent, and that's our job as a teacher to support that. And sometimes you've got both roles, and that's, it's a lot of work. It's absolutely a lot of work, but it's a requirement. I had a discussion with a parent recently, kid not in my class, but I ended up having some words with this kid because they were being rude, just rude to staff. And I was like, no, we don't behave like that. It is not acceptable. We will not be tolerating this. And you need to have, you know, the skills in order to navigate the world. And by the way, the world doesn't revolve around you. We're all not going to stop and think, oh, everything you do is adorable. Because it's not. I don't care who your kid is. They are not perfect at any point or time. Mine included. Yours, the kid next door, the kid down the street. They're not perfect and not everything they do is adorable. Newsflash. So back to the parent. I had some words with this kid about, you know, this is not how we behave, this is not how we treat people, and that, you know, went over about a, like a ton of bricks. I happened to bump into the parent a couple of days later and say, hey, I asked your son to have a conversation with you about the conversation we had. I have, this kid's not in my class, so I don't see the parent very often, and I was like, I'd love to have a conversation with you, just to let you know some of the things that we spoke about, so we you know what we're seeing outside of his everyday events and some of the things that this child is saying. The parent was, every excuse in the book, got angry, used inappropriate tones, and just there was zero accountability on either side. And the kids smiled and smirked as they walked away knowing that that kid was getting away with whatever because the parent was not going to say no and not going to support the staff trying to support the kid. And it was, I was like, I, I can't understand how that's acceptable. Your child, we've seen treat you horrendously and now they're treating other people. Why aren't you embarrassed and I'm guessing that's, you know, just generally being out of touch with reality. And I back to, again, to parents making excuses for their kid. But enough. If your kid is being awful, you have to do something about it. You have to look at how you're approaching things and how you're functioning. Take a step back from that morning routine. Listen to the way your kid is speaking to somebody before you come into a room and hear if that's appropriate or if it's really quite embarrassing. That means not only our own children, 
That means the students in our class. That means our nieces and nephews. That's our job. And you're going to have to have teachers hard conversations with parents about those skills being lacking, but come with solutions. Come with, you know, I, I like teaching in kindergarten, sometimes the really big emotions that they feel and trying to express that is something more easily related to like a television show they're watching. So I happen to really like Daniel Tiger. It worked really well with my guys when they were little and I appreciate it. Not that I'm paid or anything to it, but it is the cartoon version of a continuation of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but definitely more in the modern, but it's also the cartoon. And it's got life skills and hard lessons in every episode. It's the premise behind it. And just, you know, something as simple as using your words when there's a conflict. And there's often a little song that goes with it. And you can hear me singing it off key in my classroom. And I do mean off key. But sometimes you just have to hum it. And a student remembers, oh, yeah, it's my job to use my words. And they will start to advocate for themselves. So you've built in a prompt. You've built in a modeling behavior and you've helped them build their independence as your prompts are slowly going to be withdrawn over time as they don't need it. But that's totally appropriate for the age group that I teach. I don't know exactly what the key is to like say grade seven or eight because I don't teach them because, well, they're not my jam. Not going to lie. They're too big and cheeky and I don't want to deal with their hormones. Thank you very much. But then again, you'll find most people who, if their jam is little people, big kids are not their jam or vice versa. It just is what it is. So take this time. Think, are you creating excuses for your kids or are you advocating? Are you doing the work to make sure that your kid is their best selves and take some reflection on you and who you are and it's hard, but it's worth it. You're only doing your kid a favor. You're not punishing them. You're making them the best selves they can be. Until next time, thanks for joining us on Education Honestly. Don't forget to follow my mom on Instagram at Education Honestly and Education Honestly on Facebook. Lastly, our email is educationhonestlypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for calling.